you, I'll marry you. Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Rated PG-13. Streaming now, only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Stay by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still really to be damaged. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Silver Delta Show, episode number 594 for July 1st, 2021. Welcome to the halfway point of 2021. I am one half of the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co-host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, welcome to July, my friend. We talked about it towards the end of the pandemic era that it seemed like it went by really slow, but it went by really fast. And here we are halfway through 2021. And I'm like, really? Um, outside of a couple bumps in January, this year hasn't sucked nearly as bad as 2020. So uh, I guess it is kind of flying by. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that we're, we're to this point. It, this is the uh, the show always going into the 4th of July, the first show in July that we, we start looking at the halfway point of the year. We start... Looking at our award categories, we we start giving our very early mid year candidates for the awards. Uh, yeah, it's this year is definitely uh, a hell of a lot better than twenty twenty was uh, a year ago. This time, Doctor Trey, without a doubt. <laughs> and uh, you know, by the way, since it is July first, and the new name, image, and likeness thing is just done in, into the NCAA. I, I am offering my service if anybody wants to give me a deal where I can be a, a spokesperson or a sponsor. I don't care if it's a steakhouse, a car lot, an underwear company, whatever it is, uh, I still have all my amateur status left. So I am available for name, image, name, image, and likeness deals. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess, yeah, I guess we could do that now, right? I mean, we're not D1 athletes, but we're podcast hosts. Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, I still have all my amateur eligibility left, so I, mean, I can go be a walk-on for a lacrosse team and uh, play goalie like Goldberg and the Mighty Ducks. True, true. I mean, it's it's quite possible. I mean, you could, I guess, you could be on the bowling team, right? Uh, my 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 seven ten split accuracy is phenomenal. Now, is that factual or sarcasm? Uh, depends on how drunk I am when I'm, okay. when I'm bowling. If, okay, it's it, going pretty good. It's weird. Like uh, my bowling and my pool skills increase uh, as the alcohol content increases, which just says that your mechanics are all off. Because all it takes oh, yeah. is 
something like that to get it done. I just have to get limber. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. All right, Dr. Trey, let's get into it here before we get into any more about how limber you are uh, on this week's edition of the show. Uh, there were some unfortunate releases last Friday from, from WWE, and uh, the list of people released from World Wrestling Entertainment include Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Tony Nese, Ari Davari, August Gray, Everrise, Chase Parker, and Matt Martell, Kurt Stallion, The Bollywood Boys, Sunil, and Samir Singh, Arturo, Arturo Ruas, Marina Shafir, Killian Dane, and Tebow Sabatino Sabatelli. Uh, so basically, the 205 Live roster, current 205 Live roster, was uh, was cut. And then there's some surprising names in there, some longtime folks like Fandango, Tyler Breeze, and Killian Dane. Uh, some folks that unfortunately never made it, you know, consistently on the NXT roster, and Arturo Ruas, Marina Shafir, and Tino Sabatelli. Uh, Unfortunate releases here, Dr. Trey. It's sad to see a lot of these names uh, cut from World Wrestling Entertainment this past week. Yeah, I, I don't think this round. I don't think this round was as shocking as the Alistair Black Braun Strowman cuts. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's there some guys who are some long tenured guys that maybe never really got the right shot when you look at Fon Dongo and Tyler Breeze, who I think are incredibly talented and also very charismatic. Look at a guy like Killian Dane, who remember when he came to NXT, like we were like, oh man, they're going to push him to the moon. And then it just never really, you know, happened. The Singh brothers, I love those guys. Those guys are outstanding. It just sucks. They never got pushed. You know, the 205 live guys, Nice, Navari, those guys, you know, it sucks. They've been around for a while. Uh, you know, the Kurt Stallion release, I don't know about you, I think maybe out of all of these, the Kurt Stallion release is kind of the most surprising one because it felt like he was just getting a decent push on 205 Live uh, and, and maybe they could transfer they transfer over to NXT if, if 205 Live is going away or something. I don't know. But that was kind of shocking. And uh, I didn't know Tino Sabatelli was still on the roster, in all honesty. I thought he had been cut, you know, a while back. So... Uh, like I said, maybe not as shocking as the Alistair Black, Braun Strowman cut day, but, you know, it still sucks when you see guys who are tremendously talented, you know, lose their job. Yeah, Brizango, uh, I feel like never got a real fair shake at it. They were highly entertaining. They had a run with the NXT Tag Team titles. That was when the division, I felt like, has been down. Nothing to, that's due to them. They just There wasn't a lot of competition at that time during the pandemic era. Of NXT, uh, the 205 Live, live roster, I, I still watch 205 Live every week, and uh, it's a damn shame. I, I don't know what this means for 205 Live. They did announce matches for this com- upcoming Friday show. Uh, they will be qualifying matches for the NXT Breakout Tournament, but I felt like for a while that it was time for 205 Live to pack it up, and even more so now when you literally cut the entire roster who made up the show each and every week for like the last six to eight months. Uh, Tony Nese, Ari Davari, long time on the show. August Gray has been featured a lot lately. Ever Rise, uh, even they were as a tag team, they were featured a lot. Highly entertaining. They, they started to like get a little bit of momentum on NXT television, and you cut them loose, which was a shame. They had the social media show. Um, just great guys. Kurt Stallion to Dr. Trace Point. I, he's actually out on injury, uh, is my understanding. I think he like broke his collarbone or something like that, a dislocated shoulder. He was supposed to face Santos Escobar. That match did happen, but it was like without any type of fanfare whatsoever after they built it up as a number one contenders match on 205 Live several months back. I want to say like the end of the year. The Bollywood Boys, 
Uh, they just worked really hard, and it's a damn shame to see guys that truly care about the business getting cut loose. Arturo Ruas, Marina Shafir, Tino Sabatelli already cut upon them, uh, talked about them. They, they never really got a fair shake. Tino was actually cut a year ago. They brought him back, cut again. Uh, and then Killian Dane, I, I love the stuff that he was doing with uh, with Drake Maverick. I, I love the theme song, the tag team. It just seemed like it was a lot of fun. Uh, now, with the exception of Nikki Storm, or now known as, I guess, Nikki Ash, almost a superhero, uh, every member of Sanity, including Madman Fulton, who was on Sanity for like a very brief period of time before being replaced by Killian Dane, is is no longer with WWE, Dr. Trey. And that is something that is very surprising to me because, what, three, four years ago, Sanity was one of, like, my favorite acts in all of NXT. It was very ahead of this, ahead of the, uh, uh, ahead of it all, and, and now they're all out. Uh, at least two of the four of them that are available are on Impact Wrestling, one with Violent by Design, one that's aligned with uh, Ace Austin. I, I guess you could bring Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane over to Impact Wrestling and have them pair up with violet by design as well it's just uh it's always a shame it, you're never happy to talk about these things when there's releases from wwa especially now with the coming even coming out of the pandemic even even more so yeah and, and like like tyler breeze as well like I, I i i've been watching up up down down uh for quite a while but the stuff with xavier woods and, and tyler breeze on uh gm mode watching them do uh gm mode for uh SmackDown versus Raw 2006, one of my favorite things to watch. I catch it every single week. And, you know, they, they, they've been doing a whole thing where they've been using, you know, unused you know, wrestlers who needed a push. And then every time one of those guys gets released, they basically treat it like the transfer portal in the or in a college basketball or college football. They're like, oh, they, they, they hit the portal. We got somebody else coming in. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with Tyler Breeze's spot on up, up, down, down, because they typically don't use anybody who's not on the WWE roster. And, you know, he helped launch that channel with Xavier Woods in a lot of ways. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out going forward as well, because that is a huge brand uh, that WWE uses a lot across all their platforms to get more uh, viewers to their product. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's almost like it's time to cut to a five live, in my opinion. And uh, if they're not going to utilize it, like, what's, what's the point at this point? It's like WWE yeah. main event for Raw, I guess. So... Uh, moving forward here, speaking of the WWE Performance Center, there's a lot of changes that's obviously been going around. Uh, there's been rumors recently of a potential sale. Nick Khan, who's the new president and COO, I believe, for World Wrestling Entertainment, has been making a lot of changes with the company in, in the last several weeks. Uh, the cuts that we talked about came from, reportedly from Nick Khan's desk. And then this new story dropped uh, earlier this week and, and took place today. Uh, and this is the first time I could ever remember this happening. According to reports, Vince McMahon was reportedly at the WWE Performance Center today scouting talent. Uh, this story coming to us from Wrestling Inc. WWE Ch Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon is reportedly set to scout talent at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando on Thursday. Uh, NXT Champion Karrion Cross, former NXT North American Champion Bronson Reed, Scarlett, and Shotzi Blackheart have all appeared at recent Raw and SmackDown shows for dark matches and WWE main event tapings so that officials can get a better look at them for potential main roster call-ups. Fightful Select is reporting that these appearances are part of a major scouting effort to replenish WWE's main roster, which has been hit recently with releases and repeat booking. It was noted that the major scouting effort has led to influential names and WWE personally coming to the Performance Center to scout talent. Recently, Bruce Pritchard and John Laronitis were watching matches at the Performance Center with other officials, and now word is that Vince McMahon is scheduled to be there today. There's no word on who might get called up soon besides Cross, Scarlett, Reed, and Blackheart. 
but it's believed that these potential call-offs will happen in the WWE Draft, which begins on August 30th, Raw, and ends on the September 3rd, SmackDown. Uh, Dr. Trey, we did see on Tuesday's edition of NXT, Isaiah Swerve Scott is the new NXT North American champion, as Bronson Reed dropped the title to him, which obviously led to a lot of main roster speculation. You have Vince down at the WWE Performance Center scouting talent. Um, you know, I'm a little bit apprehensive in this story and, and the thought process behind this because I don't think WWE is doing a good job with the current stars that are on the main roster for Raw or SmackDown, especially on the Raw side. And they have three hours to, like, build new stars each and every week. And it's been the same uh, 10 wrestlers or 12 wrestlers that it feels like each and every week. So this is a little bit bizarre, Dr. Trey. I don't know if more releases are coming. Based off of all this, I don't know if they're making a concerted effort to improve their main roster, their Raw and SmackDown rosters, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. When have we ever heard Vince McMahon going down to the WWE Performance Center to scout talent, Doctor Trey? Well, I mean, Vince loves you know some uh, some some pairings. So if you know, if you look over there and you're like, hey, this uh, Scarlet and, and Cross guy, I like them, and we got that Dewdrop girl. Maybe we can call it Bronson Reed and call him Dew Point uh, or something. Who knows? Uh, it, it's, uh, on one hand, I'm excited because Vince does know talent. He does know guys who fit the mold of what he wants in WWE. So if Vince is scouting talent, that's great. The problem I see is when you get some talent and then you saddle them with a bad gimmick, it, it may not be able to get over, and then you're right back at square one, and that's also Part of the problem with, with WWE is, you know, anything on the lower card, mid cards, 50-50 booking, and nobody's really getting a push or getting over. I mean, really, if you look at Raw, like, maybe the one guy who's been getting a push is Riddle. Uh, we haven't seen Keith Lee in months. You know, uh, you break up uh, Retribution, and then there's guys just kind of lingering around the background. Like, it just does feel like sometimes they have no direction on, on where they want to go with anybody outside of, you know, Drew, Lashley, AJ, like the, the core guys on Raw, they, they always have a plan for them, but everybody else is just kind of sitting in the background waiting for something. It's just That's one of the things I, I, I worry about if we start bringing up some guys from NXT is they might get lost in the shuffle, much like Announcer Black did, and then, you know, two years later he's released. Yeah, it's just uh, – it's – it's just, uh, it's weird, though. I mean, I, I hear this story, and again, I go back to the point I was making before. Like, you have talent on your roster. Why aren't you pushing them? Like, I feel like SmackDown does a pretty good job of building stars, and they have less time. Like, look what they did with Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. I like the stuff they're doing with Otis right now and Chad Gable. Um, you know, but then Raw... Like, you've got AJ Styles in the tag team division. Yeah, it really is just Riddle. Riddle's kind of like the only guy in Raw right now that, that's being built up. Uh, I feel like Ricochet is getting another opportunity. John Morrison's getting a little bit of an opportunity. But it's like, where where were you the last six months to build these guys up? It, it's just, I gotta go. I always go back to the fact that I felt like Paul Heyman had a plan when he was the executive assistant to, or, or uh, executive head of Raw. And... Uh, there was a plan for booking to build new stars. Alistair Black, Umberto Carrillo, Ricochet. And then it, it just completely went by the wayside, like when they changed it up. And for the last year, it's like Raw's been very blah. Uh, I don't know. I, if, if I'm a talent at the Performance Center, I'm excited because I'm getting a look to the main roster. 
But in the same sense, like I, I feel like if I do get the call up in four months' time, I'll be just featured on main event again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of I hate saying it, but that's that's kind of been the pattern for most of the NXT talents. I mean, you know, you and I have discussed that. You know, what NXT's been around seven years, pretty much eight years, um, and we've talked about it many times how guys get make you know get that big push on NXT. They get over the crowd, they get brought to the main roster, and then they just kind of fall by the wayside, whether it's, you know, Bo Dallas or the Ascension or all the way up through Aleister Black. Like, there are very few guys who keep their push. I mean, even look at a guy like Finn Balor. Finn Balor came to the main roster, won the Universal title his first night there, got injured, and then once he came back, if he wasn't doing the demon gimmick, like, he was a 50-50 wrestler. You know, it, it just sucks because... You've got like a, a core group of guys that are always going to have their main event spots, and then everybody else is basically just waiting to get an opportunity, and then hopefully capitalizing on it. And then once they capitalize on it, make sure they keep that spot. I mean, it's just it's crazy how they kind of put it together at times, um, and, and try to, and then they go, "Oh, well, he, he wasn't really working out." Well, you gave him crap to work with, and then you wonder why it didn't work. So. It is crazy sometimes how they put it all together. And you're right. SmackDown is a superior show with less time. And you would think on Raw with having three hours, you'd be able to build some guys up. Much like, you know, kind of like in the old days. I mean, I go back to the initial Shelton Benjamin push back in the early 2000s where he came to Raw. And next thing you know, he's featured angles with Triple H and, and Evolution and everything else. There was plans in place and, and that stuff was working at times. Just seems like the majority of the last decade, it's, start, stop, start, stop, and then release. Dr. Trey, what do you think of the rumored names, right? They, they've been working the dark matches. They've been working main event. NXT champion Karrion Cross. like, to me, he he seems like the most main roster-looking talent. A Vince McMahon-like talent down in NXT. Then you've got Bronson Reed, the former NXT North American champion, who I just felt like that, it's, it's almost like what we saw with Keith Lee last year and even uh, in the past, your boy Apollo Crews, like the momentum was starting to build for him where I felt like Bronson Reed could get an opportunity to carry the NXT championship and, and now it seems like he may be getting the call to Raw on SmackDown. You've got Star- Scarlett, makes sense because she's tied with Karrion Cross. Didn't really ever look at her as a wrestler because we haven't seen her wrestle uh, under the WWE banner so far. Uh, and then Shotzi Blackheart. I feel like Shotzi's more NXT than she would be Raw on SmackDown. What do you think of those four rumored names that are NXT stars potentially getting a main roster call up here in the coming months? Well, I mean, you look at Karrion Cross and Scarlet as a tandem and just look at the entrance and the music and all that. That's, that screams Monday Night Raw to me. Like, that makes a ton of sense. And then if you put them in the right spot, in the right view with a, you know, whether it's a Drew McIntyre or Randy Orton or somebody like that, that you can make Karrion Cross really quickly. Um, Bronson Reed, to me, it's still too early. Like, to me, he's kind of like, he's in the vein of Otis, you know, where if given the right opportunity, it can be good, but then if you don't plan it out, it kind of falls by the wayside, and then you got to wait to rebuild it back up. Shotzi, once again, with the tank and the energy and the excitement level she has, like, I think she could be really good on a Raw or a SmackDown. I think the kids would buy into it. You know, to me, like, a lot of young kids don't watch NXT, but... You know, if you see this girl come out with a crazy helmet and bright green hair, riding a tank down to the ring, kids are going to eat that up. And I think that would actually work on the main roster as well. It's just to me, like, I, 
he should be like those people they mentioned should be okay, but uh, at some of like the Bronson Reed one I worry about just because I just don't think he's really. I mean, he's really only been pushed for the last couple of months. He really, outside the last few months, hasn't been the guy. So if you haven't been the guy, how are you going to succeed on the shows? I think for me, like uh, I'm loving the Shotzi Blackheart Ember Moon uh, tag team so much that I don't want to see it end. And then the yeah. Bronson Reed stuff, I already explained. Like I, I, I just really enjoy what he's doing right now, and I feel like uh, they're building up really well in the NXT brand, and I just hate to see the carpet uh, pulled out from underneath them so quickly. But Vince likes big guys, and you look at NXT, and you go, well, who are the, who are the big guys? Who are the physical specimens, either you know, muscular or girth? And it's Cross and Reed. Everybody else on that roster is around the same size for the most part, and those are usually the smaller guys. And we've seen what happens to smaller guys when they get over in NXT and brought to Raw. They get trapped in the, in the mid-card division for the most part. There are very few that have really broken. I mean, we, you and I love Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn hasn't been a main event player on, on either brand since coming to the main roster. So, And, and he's probably maybe the, the best all around one of the best all, best all around technical wrestlers in the entire company, and it, I think his current character is fantastic. But once again, it kind of looks at they're looking at it like, well, he's a little bit smaller on the small side, so there's no reason to really push him up to the top. And you've seen all the other guys they've brought up who are built similarly; uh, they also don't get those big pushes. So that's that's why you know you look at a cross, you look at a Reed, and you're like, yeah, those are Vince type guys just because of their size alone. All right, moving forward here, let's shift gears to AEW, Dr. Trey. This past Wednesday night, uh, I know I, as a fan, have been waiting for this for some time. I feel like this has been the feud we've been waiting for when it comes to Kenny Omega's run as AEW World Champion, uh, the storyline with them as the tag team champions, and then going splitting up and then going to the Eliminator Tournament, getting to the finals, Kenny Omega beating Hangman Page, and then becoming the champion weeks later over John Moxley, that we would eventually get to this point, and uh, it may be rearing its head soon. We may be seeing right now the beginnings of the plant for the all-out main event pay-per-view match for the world title between Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. The Dark Order came out last night. They confronted Kenny Omega so that they know who could be taking on Kenny Omega, uh, Omega basically poo-pooing it, did not say Hangman Page's name. Page goes in the back, confronts the Dark Order, asks why they did that. He didn't need them to do that, all this stuff. And uh, the segment kind of turned where the Dark Order was like, you don't believe in yourself, we believe in you, you could be world champion. And uh, you kind of got the, uh, the spider senses tingling in Hangman Page to maybe that he can become AEW world champion. I felt like for as long as AEW has been launched, Dr. Trey, that this platform was going to develop Hangman Page into a household name from a professional wrestling standpoint, and this could be the beginning of it. Hangman Adam Page, Kenny Omega, AEW World Championship match. Do you think it's coming soon? It was teased last night. How close are we to this match happening? Uh, I mean, I think we're pretty close. I think this this lays the groundwork, and, and I can kind of see it playing out where kind of like we saw with the Bucks and the Good Brothers where it kind of starts out where it's kind of adversarial, then they kind of get recruited back in and then you, they either stick with it or turn away, you know, and 
I, I can see, you know, the rest of the guys in the elite going to Hangman and saying, you know, what are you doing? Want to challenge Kenny? You're one of us. Like you've been one of us. I know we've had our issues, but you're one of us. Why would you hang out with those weirdos and losers when you could be part of the elite? Hangman, you know, decides to side with the Dark Order. Then you get a nice little Dark Order uh, elite feud leading up to Kenny and, and Adam Page, you know, going one on one. So I think if that's the route they're going, and we've seen it done several times in AEW where they like these faction wars, um, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you got enough bodies between the elites and the Dark Order to have some really compelling matchups. You throw in the Omega Page history. It's it's almost right to itself, so I think it'll, it'll be really good TV. And plus, this is what we've been trying to do in AEW, trying to build stars like MJF, Darby Allen, and now you have that opportunity to put Hangman in the in the main event picture, uh, which maybe at the beginning of AEW he wasn't ready for, but I think this Adam Page we see right now is definitely ready for that primetime spotlight. Do you think it's coincidence that uh, AW going back on the road next week to, in Miami and Adam Page may be getting the beginning of uh, at least a world championship title shot? No, because I think if you if you go back to, to you know last uh, January February heading into the pandemic, Adam was maybe the most over over guy with the crowd. You know, the crowd yelling out cowboy shit. You know him doing the drinking stuff. He was probably the like one of the most entertaining people on the roster, and then losing that live crowd kind of slowed him down for a little bit. And I think that's kind of what they were waiting on with like, he's one of those guys that a live crowd goes nuts for. And, and maybe it doesn't always translate through the pandemic era, but he's that guy. He's that blue collar drinking kind of guy that fans love, whether they're in, you know, Mississippi and the South or if they're in the West coast or if they're up in the North wrestling fans gravitate to your blue collar, not going to take any kind of crap. Those kind of guys, uh, you know, throughout the history of wrestling, whether it's Dusty Rhodes, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or you know Adam Page. Now, is this the dream match for Kenny Omega's run as world champion right now? Is this is this the match you want to see out of out of any potential opponents for Kenny Omega? Um, yeah, probably because I mean Kenny, for all intents and purposes, has faced most of the roster. Um, I mean, we got Christian Cage lingering out there, but we've seen him. We've seen him, you know, wrestle Darby. We've seen him wrestle just about everybody else in the roster. So it's like uh, Cody, maybe outside of outside of Adam Page. But I think with the history of them being, you know, a tag team champions, their history in New Japan, and their current allegiances, I think it makes the most sense for you know a dream match for guys on the roster right now. All right, so you're Tony Khan. You're getting ready for All Out. Obviously, he has an idea what he wants to do, but. As that Tony Khan slash fan position that I'm putting you in right now, Dr. Trey, which match do you want to see more? Do you want to see Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page or Kenny Omega versus Darby Allen? Kenny Omega versus Miro? Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage? Is any of one of those matchups, uh, or Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy, or any one of those matchups more enticing to you right now? Then would be Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page at All Out. No, it's Kenny. It's Kenny and Hangman. Like everybody else you mentioned, I still feel like there's a disconnect between. Like Darby's fantastic, but you know Darby basically got his ass kicked by Miro. So how do I believe that Darby could beat Kenny? Um, you know the other guys you mentioned, Christian Cage. I mean Christian Cage. 
Kenny Omega is great, but uh, if it was Christian Cage from 2005, I'd probably be a little bit more on board for it. This Christian Cage is kind of in that mentorship role, and we really haven't seen if he can go a, a, you know, a good 25, 30-minute match. So out of everybody mentioned, I mean, you look at Kenny and you look at Hangman Page, you know, they're both, they're big, they're athletic, they can do everything that you want your wrestlers to do, they can cut good promos, like, that's basically kind of where I would head, and this is, you know, one of those things where we talk about, you know, your, your pillars and your foundations for a company, these are guys you're building this company around, so it makes a ton of sense to go this route. Does it ever surprise you that AEW doesn't? Or hasn't, I should say, because that's the different question part of it here. Does it surprise you that AEW hasn't done more like long-term feuds? I guess maybe the closest thing could be Moxley and Kenny Omega, because let's let's like they typically do with Kenny. They do or they've done so far, and even with Moxley, they'll do like a chapter, right? So. You 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 get the build up to MJF versus Moxley, uh, and then it happens it all out, and then the next night it's they move on to different directions, which is which is great. I'm I'm down with that, but I feel like if you're gonna do Page and Omega, and if you start the build up now from July to September and you do it at all out, I would not be opposed to continue to seeing that carry forward from September to November for full gear either. It's it's a little bit suspect because I think, to me, a Hangman Page-Kenny Omega feud could define AEW for all of 2021 as the feud of the year, one. And two, I think it could really carry itself as one of the types of feuds that has the potential to be that rock in Austin that an AEW may want and need to have at the top of their cards. I mean, I think it kind of depends because as you were saying that, I was trying to think of like the feuds in AEW that define it. And like, you know, Jericho has longer feuds, like Jericho True. and Orange Cassidy. That was a couple of shows, you know, a couple of stuff, uh, pay-per-views. Jericho and Moxley, that was a couple of, I mean, that one went on for a little while. But then you're right, they, they have these almost like knee-jerk feuds that, you know, kind of pop up, spring up, and then done and move on. Get like and Omega and Pac and, and Orange Cassidy recently. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think part of it is, is that people like you and me are so used to the WWE pay-per-view schedule. Like every month we got a new show. So we're used to, I mean, if I say, Jeff, how long does a WWE feud last? Three pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Like we all kind of know that. I think with AEW's schedule being kind of sporadic in spots, they do different style feuds kind of like, oh, it's a six-week feud or a four-week feud. It just kind of depends on the start and stop spot. I think it's just one of those things where it's, it's a different level of adjustment because we're so used to WWE-style feuds where AEW does, hey, so we're going to move on with this and this, but they kind of build everything around their four big pay-per-views, and if they have any of the ones in the middle, they try to give us something that we didn't think we needed to see. Yeah, I guess that's you're you're probably right. Like that's that's we're used to the WWE schedule versus maybe how it should be in professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean with, with W, I mean if, if you go back to the the nine the eighties and the nineties when you and I were growing up watching WWE, you would get a few that would break out and they would go to a pay per view and it'd be a tag match or a six man tag match, and then you'd build up 
to the next pay-per-view. And then finally the third one is when they'd go one-on-one. You know, there was more of that slow build where now it's like, we're going to give it to you right now. They were going to put a gimmick on it and they were going to put another gimmick on it. You know, and then, but AEW kind of does the whole, all right, we're going to give you the six-man tag featuring the two guys you want to see fight. Then we're going to break it apart for a couple weeks and then we're going to come back to it. They, they try to, they try to tell the story in different routes, which on one hand, I appreciate them trying it. On the other hand, it is kind of frustrating where you're like, yeah, Omega and Paige, like, I'm kind of surprised that we're roughly almost two years into AEW and this has not been one of their big feuds to have already done. Like, they've been saving this one for a while. So I'm just hoping that they have a really solid laid out plan for how they want this feud to run because this is one they've kind of been holding back from us for the last year and a half. This is what I like about AEW ultimately is they've planted the seeds for a long time. We kind of always felt like that this was going to happen at some point. It hasn't happened, hasn't happened, ha- hasn't happened. And then you got the seeds out of nowhere dropped last night on Dynamite. And now we're talking about it here today. Pretty excited to see where things could go. Now it's just the uh, the groundwork has been laid. Now it's the execution part of it. So we'll see if this is the direction AEW is actually going. I would say it is the way that they have in the past and uh, how well it can get executed from this point forward. Because it could be something very, very special uh, with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Because what the cool part about this is that their uh, storyline has built up on AEW television rather than what's what we know from their New Japan days or ROH days, uh, what have you, uh, between these guys. Like This has been a natural build of AEW where if you just started watching AEW, you didn't know anything about these two guys prior to their lives in professional wrestling – you now understand why it's important for the both of them and why Kenny Omega is saying the things that he did last night to Evil Uno uh, during that segment on AEW Dynamite. Uh, so feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast on Twitter. Is it time for Omega versus Hangman Page here in All Elite Wrestling? Uh, I teased it here on last week's edition of the show, Dr. Trey, that we would talk about it here briefly on uh, on this week's edition of the podcast. Uh, the topic for the 600th episode, yes, 600, 600 straight episodes of the Still Realto Show, which will air on August the 12th, uh, will be when we look back at the pandemic era of professional wrestling. Um, it may be, Dr. Trey, the most important era of wrestling we've ever covered, the most important time period we've ever covered in this podcast. Just to put this in the context here, so this week's edition show is episode number 594. I went back into the uh, SRTU history to see when was the very first episode of the, quote, pandemic era. And you got to go back to March 12th, 2020, a day after, like, the world started to shut down. And that was episode number 526, Dr. Trey. So here we are at episode number 594. And the very first episode in what I would consider to be the pandemic era of wrestling was episode number 526. That was So that means that we've been doing 68 episodes, 68 weeks. This has been Dr. Trey living in this pandemic era of professional wrestling. So we'll recap it. We'll give our thoughts. We'll look back. And I think it's fitting that that is the 600 episodes topic uh, looking back at the pandemic era of professional wrestling. I mean, 14 more weeks and we tied WCW beating WWE. Yeah. Uh, so that just kind of shows you how long it's gone. I mean, we can start a whole new podcast called 82 Weeks. I mean, nobody's ever done that before. No. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, when you look at the show's history, uh, to, to live through something that lasted, you know, that long, um, that changed the course of wrestling so much, um, you know, it's, it, it's definitely one of the most defining times uh, in, in the, you know, ten and a half years we've been doing this show. Um, it, it, it's crazy that it happened, you know, so shortly after the launch of AEW, because we could easily say if the pandemic era doesn't happen, the launch of AEW may be the most defining thing in professional wrestling, because it has changed professional wrestling in a lot of ways. And even during the pandemic era, it was changing the way we look at professional wrestling. So it, it does seem kind of, you know, you know, bad for AEW that they've been overshadowed by the pandemic in a lot of ways, because I mean, imagine how much AEW could have grown in that time. If they were still out on the road, uh, you know, making the rounds, hitting different towns, doing all the stuff that they had started to do, where would they be at now uh, in the landscape of professional wrestling if the pandemic era hadn't started? Yeah, it's it's crazy, right? I mean, has it felt like 68 weeks to you? You know, much like we talked about a few weeks ago, there are times where you look at it, you go, God, that seemed like forever ago that it happened. And then you're also at the same time like, Man, we just like launched through six months, and it seemed like it was yesterday that we were turning over from 2020 to 2021. So, there, there, depending on the angle that you look at, like it is really hard to remember that last dynamite in Salt Lake City, and and that's the day after that is when everything started to change. Um, so to go back and look at it, go, man, that was, uh, you know, roughly 13 months ago. It, it seems like much longer. But in the scope of things, it really wasn't that long. You know what was um, was strange to me and kind of like took me back to that period of time, that March 12th, 2020 period of time. Did, did you happen to see the um, Thanks to Jacksonville tribute video that closed out AEW Dynamite last night? Uh, I watched part of it on YouTube today, but I didn't get to watch the whole thing. So. The beginning there. Right, I remember that first episode that Dynamite aired because Dynamite was airing on March the 11th. I think it was in Colorado or Utah for some reason. I remember that. It was in Salt Lake City because the first thing I thought when Rudy Gobert tested positive was they're in the same area. Like, and I didn't know if they were still if they were if they had filmed the show in the same building that the Jazz had played in. And then I found out later that it wasn't. So it, I, I distinctly remember that they were in Utah when it happened. And I remember it was it was closing. Uh, the show was closing, and uh, like everything was freaking out. And I'm like thinking to myself, this could be the last time. And NXT was airing at the Performance Center that night. This could be the last time that I watch wrestling with fans in the arena. Um, and it basically was. And then two days later, you had Triple H opening up on SmackDown, that very weird edition of SmackDown, that surreal ver- edition of SmackDown where he was doing like commentary with Michael Cole and it was in the empty performance center and it was just weird. Uh, but anyway, then Cody was out to kick off Dynamite. And that's what opened up that tribute to Jacksonville video. And I forgot about it. And Cody having those like very poetic words. And then you have Kenny Omega and Matt Jackson in the ring with him. And Pyro's going off. And you could kind of just see on their faces, like, they're a little bit worried about what's going on. And that's how we all felt. Like, it was, 
just this weird, eerie feeling. The world had shut down. And I think that's something that we kind of forget at times now, a year later plus, and, and we're used to it. But for two to four weeks, Dr. Trey, the world shut down. I, I, I was looking back at those old episodes. You and I were were hopping on doing bonus shows nearly every couple of days. We did a, like a bunch of them. I think nearly 10 of them we did. Um, and we did that from like March to May when things car- started to get a little bit back to normal, uh, I, I, given the circumstances. Nowhere near what it is right now. Um, yeah, it's just going to be... It, it's probably the most important period of time. And uh, I said it back then, and I'll say it now, and I've said it way before this, uh, beforehand as well. But I felt like this podcast and professional wrestling as a whole for a, a period of time was like the only thing that was, quote, normal that we had. And uh, I'll never forget that. When when this show is, is all said and done, Dr. Trey, and we close up shop on this podcast, I think I'll look back at that era as, as something that was very difficult, but how important this podcast and professional wrestling was to at least me during that time. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was the, the, the light in the distance. It was, you know, when, when the fog's around and you, and you find that lighthouse to let you know that that's the focal point. That's where I need to get to. Like there were many days where, you know, I, like I was still traveling the country at times during all that, not knowing if I was going to catch it, if I wasn't going to catch it, if I could infect my family, the whole nine yards, like the, the, the timing of it all was so crazy. And then knowing that, Hey, I get to sit down and talk about wrestling because wrestling's still on the air. They're, they're figuring out a way to make it work. And if they can figure out a way to make their stuff work, we can figure out a way to make our stuff work. And it was kind of that, combination of of pro wrestling and this show that was kind of an anchor when everything else was going crazy and and the boats were rocking we always had we had wrestling and this show to kind of latch onto and it's one of those things that kind of like was that you know that point of sanity uh for myself uh during that time like i mean here we are it's it's like you, you mentioned it's been you know 68 weeks and like I haven't seen my dad, I haven't seen my daughter, I haven't seen anybody uh, in that time really. Uh, other, I mean, I got to see my daughter I think for about two weeks in the middle of this, but outside of that, that's been it. I haven't been able really to to leave the state and get out and go see my family because they, we were so concerned about COVID. So it is nice to kind of be getting back to a little bit of normalcy. And I, the way you phrased it, like you know that the, that first four weeks we didn't know what was going on until we got back to a semblance of normalcy. It's like, it wasn't even normalcy. It was just adaptation. Mm-hmm. We just got used to what the new setup was going to be. And even now here we are, you know, 68 weeks later. And I don't know about you, but like if I walk into a store and I see people without a mask on, I'm like, what, what, what's wrong with you? Like it's that jerk reaction that that wearing the mask became our normal. And now when you don't see it, you're that your knee jerk reaction is what are, what's wrong with you. And then you're like, Oh Yeah. We're coming out of it now. The vaccine is out now. People are getting back to the way it was before this all happened. So it, it, it is kind of a crazy defining time, not just in the show's life, but in our lives as well. So August the 12th, 600th episode of SRTU. We will talk about that very uh, topic. Feel free to chime in. Share your thoughts at SRTU Podcast on Twitter because uh, it's something we could all relate to. We all lived it and we'll relive it again and look back 
to celebrate 600 episodes of the Still Realto Show. All right, Dr. Trey, we do this every year, mid-year award candidates. We'll go through our uh, current categories, and we'll, uh, we'll give our candidates right now for each of these awards. Uh, let's kick it off here with new story of the year. I have three candidates. So I have WWE's surprising releases, is WWE for sale, and wrestling returning to the road. Uh, those are my early candidates right now for new story of the year. What are some of yours? Um, I, I had those, and I also had WWE Network shifting to the Peacock Network as well. That's a good call. That is a good call. Uh, breakout star of the year, I have quite a list. I have Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Matt Riddle, Apollo Crews, Raquel Gonzalez, Karrion Cross, Kyle O'Reilly, Josh Alexander. I think any one of those right now is in the running for breakout stars of the year. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of anybody else, and I'm like, no, that that's pretty much everybody that I could think of. Like everybody, those are the guys that have at least had some pushes. They maybe start and stop, but those are the ones that kind of uh, jump to the forefront of my. I guess you could say Omos. Okay. Uh, I mean, he is a Raw Tag Team Champion. I we just I've only seen him wrestle, I think, what twice now. So, but uh, he he does get featured every single week. Uh, moment of the year, I have Bad Bunny's performance at WrestleMania 37. MJF turning his back on the inner circle and forming the pinnacle. Kenny Omega winning the Impact and TNA World Championships. And uh, just a little bit of personal one here, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn taking place on the WrestleMania stage. Uh, yeah, those are, uh, those are right, yeah. Maybe Roman pinning Edge and Daniel Bryan just, in, in, just because that was like, you know Daniel's last appearance um, for the foreseeable future, so that, that might be up there as well. But uh, everything else, I think, I mean, some of these, I think they're clear-cut winners already. So it's kind of like it's kind of hard to think of some, uh, some additional sources or some additional uh, candidates once you kind of have one kind of pegged in your mind that this is the winner. Uh, event of the year, I have four, WrestleMania 37, Royal Rumble, NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, and AW Double or Nothing. Yeah, I, I, without having my numbers in front of me, uh, I, w- I would say those are probably our top four right there. Uh, feud of the year, I got Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, um, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly, Darby Allen and Sting versus Team Taz, and the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle. Um, I, I'm really enjoying also the Team Sting versus uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky stuff right now as well, so... That might jump my team Taz, uh, depending on how it kind of plays out. Um, WWE, I, I really like Ember and Shotzi Raquel and Dakota as well, but that just that's basically just kind of personal preference. Uh, but those would be my only other two additions to the list. Uh, and then we've got our match of the year. I've got three. I've got Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks from WrestleMania 37, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens from Royal Rumble. And Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn from WrestleMania 37. <laughs> so it's Kevin Owens. Um, oh, what was that Bucks tag match that you and I both love? Bucks the ladder match. Was that after January? The ladder match was at a Revolution. Yeah. Was it Bucks versus? Uh, oh Jesus Christ! Was it uh, not FTR? No, I think it was it Penta and. Uh, oh, Ray Phoenix and. Um, uh, was it the Lucha Bros? Yeah, the Lucha Bros. The ladder match was that after January one. Uh, I don't the know. Timelines. The timelines off. I know that. 
I know when we had that match, you were like, that might be the greatest tag match I ever saw. Oh, no, wait a minute. Was it, no, it was the greatest tag match we said we ever saw was FTR and the Bucks. Uh, that was that was last year. That one was. Oh, okay. So that's the pandemic era has screwed up my timeline, Jeff. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you, man. So is is there any additions, or are you adding ones for 2020? Uh, <laughs> I think we're good right now. Sure. Okay. I'll sit down so we can close at the end of the year and just kind of, of regrow course. through everything. But um, yeah, I, I think those are those are right up there. So I'll, I'll go with those. Tag Team of the Year, uh, I have the Young Bucks. I feel like they're running away with it. And then I also added Chayda Baszler and Nia Jax. Outside of that, I, I feel like really no tag teams have have risen from the ashes so far. Yeah, I mean, AJ and Omos, man. That's, I'm not kidding. Wow, okay. No, I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, like everybody's kind of had start and stops. <clears throat> so unless they can catch fire the last six months, I think this is almost a runaway category as well. Female Wrestle of the Year, I have Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, Raquel Gonzalez, Deanna Perrazzo, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Yeah, I don't think anybody touches those. I mean, those are pretty much... I mean, Rhea's kind of getting into the picture a little bit, uh, but she had a slow start. Um, but, I mean, those are, those are basically the women that have been entertaining me the most over the over the year. I mean, I've never, Jeff, Nikki Ash... Nikki Ash, you got to add her in there? No, not yet. But I'm just saying. I mean, she's channeling the spirit of Molly Holly, um, who hasn't passed away. So I don't know if you can actually channel a spirit that hasn't passed. No, she's on. actually she's actually working for the company now. I think. Yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, I mean that that seems like such a Vince move or a Bruce Pritchard move. Like, wait, Molly was a superhero, right? That's what we need. I mean, we haven't had a superhero since you know Hurricane, so we need a superhero. But yeah, um, but I mean. I, I mean, to me, it's right now it's coming down to Britt and Bianca. So, I mean, somebody else has got to catch fire to catch those two. Uh, male wrestler of the year, I just have three. Roman Reigns, Kenny Omega, and Bobby Lashley. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to compete with those three. Like, those three have been the anchors, like the anchors that they've built around. I mean, uh, I guess you might throw Darby into the mix, but just not on their level. Like, he's kind of a dark horse. Yeah, I would be with you there. I think I think he's more of the dark horse in this all. But I feel like it's those three, and I th- we've said this before. I think it's Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega's world right now in that that realm. But uh, I think Bobby Lashley definitely deserves consideration to be discussed in that same context. Uh, and then, of course, we're SRT Wrestle of the Year is everybody that we named in the female and male category. But lastly, Wrestling Promotion of the Year. I always split up SmackDown, NXT, Raw, Two Hundred Five Live, what have you, um, NXT UK. Uh, there's three for me: uh, WWE, SmackDown, AW, and NXT. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And, and really, to me, it's just, it's pretty much SmackDown and uh, AEW right now. I think NXT's you know had their stop and starts. I think the other two shows have been the most consistent over the first six months. Yeah, so there you go. Those are some of our mid-year candidates right now <laughs> uh, for the award show that will take place at the end of the year. Which, looking at my calendar, would be on December 30th. Wow. All right, December 30th, we'll be opening up that vault again and taking a look at it. Uh, with that said, let's close up shop on this week's edition of the show. You can download the show every Thursday at TheBowerShow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Sorelto Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Elvis Comment Charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. 
And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. If I get my Instagram followers up, Jeff, I might get a, a, a deal with an Alabama coffee company. I guess. I mean, that's my that's my goal for name, image, and likeness. It's, it's all about the TikTok, the Snapchats, and the Insta followers, apparently. Um, but we're on Facebook. You can go check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. Uh, they run a really good show. Uh, <laughs> we just had one a couple weeks ago. They have another show coming up this Saturday. Uh, so be sure to check them out on Facebook, all the pictures, videos, and all the other fun stuff that we post and share on the SRTU Facebook page as well. So there you go. Support all the great things that support the Still Realto Show. Feel free to chime in on anything that we discussed on this week's of this show. Uh, from WWE, we're basically releasing the entire 205 Live roster. Vince McMahon reportedly scouting talent at the WWE Performance Center. Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega potentially coming soon, finally, to AEW. Uh, the pandemic era professional wrestling be announced as the official topic for the 600th episode of SRTU on August the 12th. And of course, any of your candidates right now for the mid-year point of the year right now, feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast on Twitter. So until next week, for Dr. Dre Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. For those of you living in the United States, have a nice and safe 4th of July holiday. Until next week, this is The Still Real Show. All the way from Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.